Hey, I can't wait to dive back into the Word of God, part four on our Unlocking the Kingdom of God series. You guys ready to dive into the Word? Amen? Amen. Can anybody say, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Can anybody say that, please? All right, you're not African, I know that. But anyway, good try, good try. <laughs> All right, three definitions of the Kingdom of God, three things that we need to keep in mind. The Kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God, His sovereignty over all. Number two, the kingdom of God's a future realm where the fullness of his kingdom happens, commonly referred to as heaven. Thirdly, and this is where we're focused, right? The kingdom of God's the realm of God we enter now through our new birth in order to experience the blessing of God's reign. This morning, I want to tell you simply this. The kingdom that the disciples were waiting for, were looking for, were expecting was not the kingdom that came. And sometimes if we don't have the contextual understanding, then we don't understand the scriptures that we're reading. We don't understand the questions that are being asked. I want to show you some of that today. Here's the kingdom that the disciples were expecting. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44, probably the single best verse to kind of describe what they were looking to. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So the mindset of the disciples, the mindset of the Pharisees, the mindset of the people of Jesus' day and age was that the Messiah was coming back, he was going to set up a kingdom, overthrow Rome, set up this kingdom. That's why they're constantly asking, can I sit at your right hand? Can I sit at your left? I mean, I want to be a part of that amazing kingdom that's going to destroy and annihilate all these other kingdoms, and we're going to rule and reign. We're going to be the powerful ones. That's what the disciples were expecting. That the kingdom would come, it would annihilate the other kingdoms of men. That everybody's going to bow their knee to this kingdom. That's what they expected. Look at what the Pharisees' question was to Jesus right here in Luke chapter 17. Now he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Okay, This is on their mind. This is something they're constantly thinking about. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Everybody say, within you. Within you. Yeah, this is really an incredibly important distinction. You're not going to look around and go, hey, over there, that's the kingdom of God. That, that city block, that's the kingdom of God. You're not going to look over, you know, at a, at a, at a nation or a, a geographically defined area and say, there's where the kingdom of God is. I've just been in the kingdom of the Congo. Like I said, it's huge. But the kingdom that Jesus was ushering in wasn't going to be a geographically defined kingdom. I mean, you got to see here, you know, what, what is happening there. You know, when's, when's the annihilation and the destruction happen, Jesus? Because we're thinking this kingdom, it's coming with power. It's going gonna, it's gonna to destroy all the enemies. Now we go to the book of Acts. Let's go there. And Jesus has already been... Acts 1.6, therefore, when they come together, they ask him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This is, this is so prevalent on their thinking. This is what they're thinking about. Now that you've been resurrected... 
Now we can expect, right? Now we can expect you to sit on the throne, you to take care of all of our enemies, destroy those Romans, those wicked, evil Romans. But the kingdom that came was not the kingdom that they were expecting. Jesus said it doesn't come with personal observation. You're not going to look around and say, there it is over there. There it is over there. That area, that's the kingdom. No, no, no. You can't observe it like that. You can't define it like that. It's not external and physical, okay? Get this. It's not external and physical. It's internal and spiritual. Let me say it again. You've got to get this, right? It isn't external and physical. It's internal and spiritual, It's not about getting rid of this group of people. It's not about overthrowing this political party. It's not about being on one side of the the divide or the other. By the way, let me just say this. That Daniel 2 vision that I just shared with you that everybody had in their hearts and minds about the coming of the kingdom, it's going to happen. Just not right now. It will happen in the future. The kingdom of God, folks, is not about who sits in the White House. The kingdom of God is about who sits on the throne of your heart. And what supernatural power you allow him to flow through you to the needs of others. Can I just say all human leaders have feet of clay? They do. But there's a kingdom that has broken into this earth. And it's about supernatural power for you and I to be witnesses to Jesus. You may not be able to observe it physically, but you can see the spiritual power that's being released. Acts chapter 1 verses 7 and 8, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father's put in his own authority. Let me tell you, if you hear a crackpot preacher on the TV telling you he knows the times and the seasons of the Lord's return, turn him off. Okay? It's pretty clear in Scripture. where There's always things that are going to try to distract you and I from the reality at hand, from living out the calling of God in our lives. Be careful not to get distracted by those things. Jesus re-centers them, refocuses them. He says, but you, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. By the way, did you notice here, this is so important, right? This is why I can say to you, I believe every church, every church really should have one arm around their neighborhood, around their city, around their context, and the other arm around the world. Because God's called us, he's empowered us as kingdom people to have a heart for Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. It's not, what, you know, it's not, hey, reach Jerusalem and then, you know, if you somehow get that task done, you might want to consider reaching on out to Judea. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you, you be going. And, and listen, if you don't do Acts 1.8... You know what we say in the missiological world? We say this. If you don't do Acts 1-8, you get Acts 8-1, right? Because the early church didn't fully obey this. They clustered together. They stayed in Jerusalem. They weren't supposed to just stay in Jerusalem. 
So what does God do? He sends what's called the great diaspora. Persecution, intense persecution that forced the church to get out of Jerusalem and to go to all the parts of the earth. It's not, it's not a scenario where you just reach this one and you focus there. This whole thing that you hear so many times, I understand it, believe me, because I'm deeply concerned about our community. But this whole idea, you know, well, why are you running off to other parts of the earth when our community needs it? Well, guess what? I'm going to do everything in my power to reach and touch our community, but I'm not going to forget the world at the sake of that. Because God's called us to do both. And if we're the church, the real church, we're going to have a heart for both. So, the kingdom that came. Kingdom is bigger. It's more glorious than just simply a physical realm. And it should cause you and I to to live way bigger beyond our natural human ability so that we can be effective witnesses for Christ. Because God can and will flow through you as you pray for the kingdom of God to come in people's lives. God wants to show his glory through your brokenness. This isn't about you being perfect. This isn't about you having no flaws. This is about you and I understanding we're broken. We're broken vessels, but we're full of this wonderful treasure. Are we going to release it to the world around us? Will you be willing and available for God to flow through to others? We're called to live at a higher level than most of us, quite honestly, are living. We're kingdom of God people. We're people who have tasted of the power of the age to come in Jesus' name. Hebrews chapter 6, we've been talking about this verse. It's been helpful for us. Understanding the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Have, they've tasted the heavenly gift. They've become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come. He goes on to talk about those falling away and you know that there's some challenges there. But he gives us an insight that we get to taste and see that God is good even here and now. Not just in the sweet by and by. We talked two weeks ago about how they positioned themselves to receive taste of the powers to come, of the ages to come. We talked about having faith in Jesus and in the power of his name. We talked about obedience, that they obeyed, they went to Jerusalem and, and they did just what Jesus said, they waited Patiently, We talked about that patience. Waiting for the promise of God with hopeful expectation. They prayed, they knocked, they kept on knocking, they asked, they kept on asking, they, they, they sought God, they kept on seeking. They had an openness in that upper room after they'd waited 10 days. All of a sudden supernatural signs and wonders start to happen. They didn't freak out and run out of the room going, ah! I don't know what this is. I don't understand it. No, they received it in its fullness because it was what God had promised. And they understood it in the context of their history of God. A mighty rushing wind. Where do you think there was a mighty rushing wind in the story of God? When Moses stood there with the rod and and held it out over that Red Sea, all night long a mighty rushing wind blew that sea apart and dried out that ground for them to cross over. They connected the dots. What about those tongues of fire? Those are problematic for us, aren't they? We don't understand it. 
Peter's there on his knees, a tongue of fire comes over his head. James must have looked and went, Peter, what in the world? And, you know, Peter's looking and going, hey, you got one too. It was okay, though, because they knew about that pillar of fire. They knew about that protective presence of God that kept the enemy from them, that kept them warm, that kept them, you know, cared for in the desert. There was an openness. They poured out into the street after this supernatural sign had occurred on the day of Pentecost, speaking 17 different languages, scripture lists. They pour out as witnesses. And as a result of their being positioned heart-wise before God, they tasted the supernatural powers of the age to come. And thousands were saved and people were healed and people were delivered. And listen, if it hadn't happened, you wouldn't be here today. And because generation after generation after generation has stood strong and faithful on the word of God and believed the promises of God and received the goodness of God, you're here today. Now, what about the generations to come? Are you heartbroken like I am for the generations below us, most of us? Those that we would call Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen, you know, all, the, all these new, the, the millennial generation. They need an experience with God. Where are they going to find it? Hopefully from us. Us praying for them, us showing them the power of God, us being conduits of the life and the, and the love of God. Today I want to give you two more positions, two more positions that I think are key for you to incorporate into your life if you're going to see the kingdom of God come. Okay, can you, you ready for two more? All right, number one is simply this, understanding your spiritual poverty apart from Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the first beatitude. You ever notice that? It's the first one, poor in spirit. What's it mean? It means simply acknowledging and understanding that you and I, we're spiritually broke without Jesus. We don't have a, we don't have a, a lick of a chance without Jesus. We better start understanding that more and more in these days to come. And we better walk closer and closer to him. And we better be more and more dependent on his power. Happy and blessed. That's what the Beatitudes mean, right? Happy and blessed are you if you're poor in spirit. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Happy and blessed are you when you walk in honesty, in humility, in authenticity, in desperation before God. If you think you can do what God's called you to do in your own power, you are absolutely deceived. You can't. Because it isn't a work of God if it's a work of your flesh. A work of your ability. God always calls us, folks, to something bigger than us so he and he alone can get the glory. He's not real keen about sharing that glory with you and I because we don't deserve it. He does, though. He absolutely does. And one day you and I, we're going to just humbly bow before the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and we're going to sing in his presence, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. This is childlike receiving. 
that Jesus talked about so often. Mark 10, when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't forbid them. For if such is the kingdom of God, then surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter. And I was preaching to those kids last Sunday. Four different classes, and, and I had a picture of him. This one little boy, he was so cute. He just got up, and he, he kind of just waddled his way right up to me. He had the biggest smile on his face. I reached out and gave him a little knuckle bump. It was fun. It's reminded me of how, how the Lord wants you and I to be in his presence. Came. He wanted me to see him. Are you receiving the kingdom of God like a little child? Jesus says we can't enter it otherwise. It's a prerequisite to enter the kingdom of God. To have an innocent trust to simply receive. A simple obedience to simply receive. This is what I'm asking you to do on your questions, you know, on your, your sheet that you were given today. There's a challenge. Just trust the Lord to pray for somebody this week. And to see the kingdom of God come into their lives to bring healing and deliverance and help to them. Can you imagine giving a little child, just like that little boy that just touched my heart last week, can you imagine giving a little child a really nice piece of candy? Anybody here like Ferrar Rocher? Like those things, they're really good, right? They come and wrapped in that gold wrapper, and they, they look impressive. Am I saying it right? Maybe I'm saying it wrong. I don't know. Maybe you say it a different way. But can you imagine giving that to a child? Man, if I've got those around, my kids, they want them. You know, they'll grab them. They'll be gone before I can, you know, <laughs> before I can say a word. But can you imagine that little child taking that piece of candy and looking up at you and go, where'd you get this? Not, not totally sure that I want it. I mean, is it safe? I mean, can, can I trust you that this is a good piece of candy? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where it came from. I don't know. I think I'll just give it back to you. Anybody ever had a kid do that? My kids have never done that. My kids, it's like, can I have more? <laughs> I mean, they strip it out of your hand and take your hand with it practically. Can I have more? Don't question yourself out of a taste of the kingdom of God. If we're not careful, we'll become too sophisticated, too reasoned with our critical thinking skills. That if we can't imagine it, listen to this, if we can't explain it, we won't expect it. That's where a lot of us are. First class I had, one of the first classes I had at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, I had a great education there. But I'll never forget, I had spiritual formations. I had a great professor, I've told you about him some, some along the way. And the whole purpose of the class was critical thinking. In other words, questioning everything. And there's a place for that. 
But there's also a place to where you get so far into that you start to doubt everything. You start to diminish everything. You start to not expect anything. We get to the place where if we can't explain it, we don't expect it. Watch out. We need childlike faith. You like this piece of candy? Oh, yeah, that looks good. The Lord's saying, here's the kingdom. Here's the kingdom. Enter in. Believe with me to be a witness to this world. We can easily lose our childlike faith in this world. Guard it, guard it, guard it. I love Proverbs 4.23. It's one of my favorite scriptures, right? Guard your heart with all diligence. For from it flows the springs of life. You let that heart get contaminated, it's just going to come out contaminated waters. We can miss out on a move of God because of our intellect. All right, so it's important. Poverty, childlikeness, faith, obedience, patience, prayer, openness. All those things position us for a taste of God's kingdom. The opposite of those things. I want to focus on that just a little bit. Just, just so you can think about it, right? You can, you can realize, ooh, maybe I'm falling into the wrong side of the equation. The opposite will distance you from tastes of the kingdom of God, tastes of the power of the ages to come. And I want to give us all just an opportunity to just honestly before the Lord say, oh, God, forgive me. God, forgive me. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to live like that. Repent and replace those things. Seven positions. Let's go through them real quick. First, understanding spiritual poverty apart from Jesus. It leads to kingdom tastes. I'm desperately dependent upon him. I'm coming to him like a child. The opposite is, is a delusional self-sufficiency. A lot like what Jesus spoke to so harshly about the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. We're a rich nation, folks. I'll be honest with you. I think Africa had more to teach me than I had to teach Africa. Russia had more to teach me in 1991 than I had to teach Russia. China had more to teach me than I had to teach China. Nicaragua has taught me much more than I've ever taught Nicaragua. Revelation 3, 17 through 19, because you say I'm rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing and do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Do you ever hear the chastening of the Lord? Do you ever hear his corrective voice in your heart? I sure do. He's a loving father. Why would he not correct me? He doesn't shame me. He doesn't. He doesn't put me down and make me feel worthless or but he he loves me enough to correct me along the way. I hope you hear that correcting voice along the way cuz a lot of us we we just kind of go our way and do our thing. 
This is, this is so important. So important. Let's not become Laodicea, folks. Let's never become self-sufficient. Let's depend on God. Number two, a childlike receiving. Just that innocent trust, that simple dependence that leads to kingdom taste. The opposite is a distant, accusatory questioning. Probably one of the best places you see it is there in Luke chapter 15 where the, it's, I, I call it the older brother syndrome. We, we have become, you know, so judgmental. We point the finger at others. We, we have a hard time rejoicing when others are being blessed, when others have come back to God, when others are, are being promoted, when others are doing well and we're, we're being challenged. This older brother, he, he becomes just irate at the father, right? Because of this extravagant love that he's showing to the son. He, he becomes jealous and accusing. See, Luke 15, he answered and said to his father, Lo, all these years I've, I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you've never given me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, <laughs> doesn't even call him by his name. It's his brother. Very impersonal, right? He's just, who's de devoured your livelihood with harlots. You've killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. That older brother, all those years in the father's house, he never learned to receive from the father. So a lot of us, we've been in the church a long time, we've never learned to receive from the father. We just, we just, all we've done is just followed the rules, but we've missed the real relationship the Father so desired to have with us. Number three is, is, is faith. Believing God's supernatural power is for you. This leads to kingdom taste, but let me tell you, the opposite, doubt, unbelief, it'll keep you from entering in. If you're, not, if you're living in the United States of America today, I'm going to say to you, one of the things you will fight consistently is doubt and unbelief. Are you fighting it? Or are you becoming captive to it? Galatians 3, 5 says, Therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? That scripture's for some of you today. He wants to supply his spirit. He wants to work his works through you. So powerful. I don't know why it is, but like the Galatians, a lot of times we fall back into an effort to try to earn God's favor and his grace when it's already richly provided. Listen, faith moves God's heart, not our effort. Father, I believe it's your good pleasure to give your children your kingdom. Number four, obedience. Simply doing what Jesus said regardless leads to kingdom taste. The, the opposite is disobedience. No Jerusalem, no waiting, and no tasting. Acts chapter 5, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior. 
to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. By the way, you want a fresh, you want a fresh enduing, empowering of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? One of the sessions we do, and it's, it's glorious and powerful and not flaky and not weird, come to the Freedom Conference. Come to the Freedom Conference. When we obey God, we're to, be, we're to be, by the way, continuously filled with the Holy Spirit, folks. When did you get filled with the Holy Spirit? I, you know, some of us, it's funny, right? Oh, back in 2002. Well, what have you been doing since? Nothing but, uh, <laughs> for some of us, nothing but sitting on your blessed assurance. <laughs> Can I just say God wants to fill you and refill you and refill you? so that you can daily be filled to overflowing with his spirit and you can be a witness for Jesus wherever you go. When we obey, I mean, watch God work, folks. Number five, prayer. Asking, seeking, knocking leads to kingdom taste. The, the, the opposite, prayerlessness. Boy, there's probably not a church in the world that talks more about prayer than the church in the United States of America. At the same time, there may well not be a church in the world that does less praying than the church in America. You, you want to have uh, a crowd? Well, have a concert or have a special guest in. But call a prayer meeting and see how big the crowd is. John Wesley said, God does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All right, we're about to wrap up, folks. Patience. Waiting on God. Amen. <laughs> You're like, we're being patient, Pastor Jeff. You're long-winded today. Waiting on God with hopeful expectation leads to kingdom taste. The opposite's impatience, which leads to doubt and distraction. You ever gotten impatient? When you get impatient, you start looking around, you start wandering around, you start thinking of, you know, how you could maybe make things hurry, kind of like I did at that line in Kroger I told you about a couple of weeks ago. You try to make things happen on your own. Hebrews 11, or 6, 12 says, by faith and patience, we, we receive the, the promises of God. Revelation 1.9 says, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. Don't, don't miss this. Both your brother and your companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. There's something about that, folks. I'm just telling you. Notice that the kingdom of God is sandwiched between tribulation and patience. Those are key if you and I are going to be receptors of the kingdom of God life and ministry. The kingdom is what gives you patience when you are being tortured by Nero and the Roman forces. You understand that? It, it's the kingdom of God that will give us patience 
as the political landscape of the United States of America potentially gets more and more harsh and persecutorial toward the church of Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of God that will give us patience in the midst of that tribulation. How many are hearing what I'm saying? The recognition, you're part of a different kingdom. You were blessed and privileged, believe you me, to be born in the United States of America, and you had nothing to do with it. Things could well get pretty tough, folks. Lastly, openness. Openness. Receiving supernatural. Receiving the supernatural leads to kingdom taste. The opposite is quenching the supernatural, rejecting the supernatural. 2 Timothy 3, 5 says, you have the appearance of godliness, but you deny its power. It's interesting, right? Jesus touched... If if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you study those thoroughly. Jesus touched thousands of people with his life and his ministry. He appeared to the disciples, by the way. This is post-resurrection, right? This is after he's been resurrected. To over 500 of them at once. Sometimes I just, you know, my vivid imagination, I just think to myself, what, what would that have been like? You saw Jesus on the cross. You saw him die. You saw him taking take him down off the cross. You know he was buried in that tomb. And now all of a sudden, a few days later, boom, there he is. Does that ever convince somebody? I mean, it should, right? 500 at once after his resurrection in 1 Corinthians, it says. But on the day of Pentecost, there was only 120. Leads me to believe, leads me to ask the question, just want to ask it to you this morning. Where were the 380? What happened to the 380 of those 500 that he showed up to personally? You you were chosen to, to witness the resurrected Christ. You've seen his life and his ministry, and now he's come back from the dead, and he's spoken to you personally. What happened to you? All I can say is that probably a combination of these opposites somehow at work in their lives. I don't know about you, but I do not want to be a part of the 380. I want to be a part of the 120. Maybe for that there needs to be some repentance and some replacement. Maybe for that today there just needs to be a fresh dose of the ghost today. The Holy Spirit's power and presence in our lives. Would you stand with me? Can you guys hang on just a little bit longer? Listen, you're going to be okay, right? The Baptists will make it to the buffet before you, but they'll get that food that's been sitting out for a while. You'll get the fresh stuff, okay? You'll get the fresh offering. It'll be all right. Come on up here. You're supposed to be up here with me. Bring that mic. Tell us what you're sensing, honey. Tell us what you're sensing. I just, my wife just told me this morning, she just said, some of you just need hands laid on you, mm-hmm. not in some flaky or crazy way, but in, in, a, in a biblical, powerful way, just yeah. believing God to break some things off your life. Tell them, honey, what you sense. Yeah, I really felt that. I felt like that um, some of us had just been going through it, 
and um, you know, I was talking to somebody. She goes, well, and I love her. She said, just one foot in front of the other. And I thought, yeah, I understand that. I really do. And, uh, but I'm telling you, I think that we need one another. So I'm just really wanting you all to come up. If you are really, you're like, I need prayer. And uh, let's pray for one another. Let's just pray for one another. And, and uh, let's break off of some things. And let's let God heal us and restore us. And uh, just bring a, a real healing in our hearts. Um, I just, you know, we're looking down a lot because we're going through a lot. And there's no condemnation there. There's not at all. But I, I feel like we can't just keep gutting things out. It, there, there is it. We can't. We need Jesus. And we need each other. So come up and let's be prayed for. And if you want to just come and kneel at the altar too there's that's okay we're just going to open everything up we're going to open up the altar we're going to open for prayer if you want personal prayer um let's do that so father we love you let's let's give us let's give god some time that's what we need we need some time and if you want to sit in your chair and you want to sit before the lord and you just want to sometimes i sit guys i position myself and i just sit with him and I just, I breathe, I'm like, God, I just breathe you in and I'm going to release all this stuff, this, this stuff I've been carrying, these lies that I've been believing. We're, we're too fast. We run from place to place and we, we don't sit with God very long um, for various reasons. So I just also want to invite you, sit with the Lord, take time this morning. And it's okay if you need to leave too, it's all right. I just, but I want you to have freedom to be ministered to this morning. Come up, kneel at the altar, sit at your seat, whatever you need. We're going to take some time with God this morning and let him meet us. Amen, church. You respond as we sing. God's lead us in something powerful. Sit down. Hallelujah. And I'll come back in a bit and close this. It's totally open. Whatever you need from the Lord. This is an open invitation. Just take it. What do you need? God is asking you, what do you need? I'm here. My, my hand's open. My arm's open to you. What do you need? He asks a blind man, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus wants to encounter us personally this morning.